0: Hi, it's me again. So the new season of The Lonely Palette is achingly close, tantalizingly close, to starting up again on Wednesday, June 7th. But in the meantime, I'll be giving over my feed this week and next to some fellow Hub and Spoke shows that might pique your eardrums. Hub and Spoke, as you know, is our mighty audio collective of proudly independent podcasts, We aim to expand minds and viewpoints and knowledge and understanding. We have zero corporate interests or expectations, which means that we get to be offbeat, unexpected, formidable, and are really poor. So please consider heading over to hubspokeaudio.org to explore our shows. And if you like what we do, join our mailing list, be the first to get our upcoming newsletter, and consider supporting The Collective. No amount is too small. And if you happen to be in or near Woodstock, Vermont, on Thursday, June 15th, I'll be performing a live show with fellow Hub and Spokers Erica Heilman of Rumble Strip and Wade Rausch of Soonish at the Norman Williams Public Library from 4 to 6 p.m. with a Q&A and reception afterwards. The event is free and open to the public, and all are warmly encouraged to attend and enjoy the weirdness of watching our voices actually come out of our faces. There's a link to the event in the show notes, and we really hope to see you there. But back to the episode at hand. This week we're airing an episode from the podcast Out There, which explores big questions through intimate stories about the outdoors. In each episode, host Willow Belden takes listeners on a journey through the outside as a means of understanding our rich and complicated and imperfect insides. And this week, the show explores depression and joy through the lens of the ocean, happening upon the art that waves leave in the sand, and that heady, nerve-wracking thrill of calling yourself an artist. Please enjoy, and I'll see you back here next week.
1: 2020 was a rough year for pretty much everyone. But it was especially hard for Carolyn McDonald. I was, had gone
2: through a horrible breakup, and I was just so heartbroken. And the same day, this my guy just suddenly out of the blue ended it in the middle of a sentence. You know, my sister passed away six days later.
1: It was like double grief. And then Carolyn got COVID, not once, but twice. Both times, she was sick for months. Remember, this was long before there was a vaccine. The symptoms were excruciating, crushing headaches, stabbing pains in her organs, difficulty breathing, brain fog. But what made it even worse was the isolation. Carolyn had just moved to California from the East Coast and she didn't know anyone. Besides, this was the point where people were going into lockdown. Even if she'd had friends locally, they wouldn't have been able to see her.
2: I was very depressed. Um, Like, I remember waking up and just literally praying, just, is this gonna lift? And, and being on the verge of tears all the time and just feeling hopeless. I'd never felt that in my life before and I've been through some you know, troubling times and challenges in my life, but this was the first time that I really honestly felt hopeless and it was, that was a little frightening
1: for me. Month after month went by. The symptoms of long COVID lingered, the isolation continued, the depression worsened. It got to the point where she couldn't see a way forward, couldn't imagine a future in which things would be okay.
2: The mornings were the worst. Um, I'd just be very, very heavily woeful in the morning, and and oftentimes waking up in tears.
1: She tried to cheer herself up as best she could. She listened to podcasts, motivational sermons, self-help books, but those things only offered a temporary reprieve.
2: Like, you know, taking an Advil you know, or a painkiller. It works for a while um, and then it goes away. the beach was the one, you know, saving grace because, you know, people were, you know, nobody was allowed to go anywhere. You couldn't, you know, certainly to cafes, barely to the grocery store. So it was so um cathartic um to be able to go to the beach. Just just being there, sitting on the sand, watching the 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 sun and and birds. I became a a bird, um, not a bird watcher or aficionado, but just getting into watching the sandpipers versus the seagulls versus the the birds I still don't have the names for, but just watching them, you know, patter around and, and go out and run to the sea and come back with the wave. So I went every day because I literally live Seven-minute walk—a seven, you know. So I would, you know, take my time when my energy wasn't as much. Um, but I would go out. And I have this little blanket, and and I just sit there, and uh, that was, you know, and still is my
1: thing. The beach was soothing, but just like the podcasts and sermons, it was only a temporary band-aid. Once she got home, she'd sink back into gloom, and the next morning, she'd wake up as sad as ever. And then, one day, something happened. Something that would help her in a way she never could have imagined.
2: Man, that was one of those days. It was just one of those days where I remember weeping that morning. I remember waking up just like, when is this shit going to be over? When am I going to wake up one morning and not be in pain? When am I going to wake up? What morning am I going to wake up and not feel heavy and not cry and it just wouldn't leave. And I that was just one of those 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 meltdown days. It was a meltdown morning. And um I just just, you know, at my my dining room table, I just like, okay, okay. And I just stopped and I said, just go to the beach. And uh I um was you know walking along you know and, and you know as I, I I I you know and I was angry. I remember just being angry. At just, is anything gonna change? I just I just want this shit to be over. I just you know, and so I remember thinking like, okay, I'm not even. And again, that sense of hopelessness too. Like, okay, I'm not even gonna like look up because if I look up, I'll think there's gonna be hope. And I know there's no hope. This shit is not gonna change. I've been every morning, I'm waking up like this, so I might as well keep my head down because nothing good is gonna happen and I'm just gonna keep my head down.
1: So she's walking along the beach, chin to her chest, staring at the ground. And then all of a sudden, Something catches her eye, a pattern in the sand, and then another, and another. Some looked like trees. Some looked like people, animals, Egyptian glyphs, all carved into the sand by the ocean. They were extraordinarily detailed and just gorgeous. It was low tide. and there's
2: the water as it was trickling in on each wave it would you know the water would run up to the beach and it would just kind of carve these amazing intricate forms into the sand and and i kept thinking when i saw them of the word spectacular and all those words you know spectacular stupendous i was just blown away by the 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 detail the intricacy of What water could do um, into sand at low tide. And it's the first time I remember feeling awe, you know, because again, it's a word we use, but how many times do we actually experience awe? You know, but I was very aware of awe.
1: Carolyn had walked this beach many times. And, sure, waves often make patterns in the sand. But this was different. She had never seen anything like it. These etchings were ethereal, otherworldly. I don't know how to say it and not make it
2: sound like too woo-woo, but I felt like they appeared for me that day, and... They were a sign that everything's going to be all right.
1: Instinctively, Carolyn pulled out her phone and started taking pictures. She had always loved photography, and something about these shapes compelled her to capture them. And once she started, she couldn't stop. She took photograph after photograph after photograph, circling around the shapes, experimenting with different angles. I remember tiptoeing around them.
2: I remember not wanting to disturb them or mess them up or put footprints because there were some that had footprints and people were, you know, you could tell were just walking over them and walking through them and stepping on them. And I was like, how
1: could you step on these things? Carolyn has no idea how long she stayed out there. All she knows is she didn't want to leave. The act of photographing these sand patterns was so joyful. She was totally and utterly in the zone. And as she took picture after picture, she felt something shift inside her. I forgot completely about my own woes.
2: (laughs) I remember just getting caught up in awe, just utter awe.
1: There on the beach, surrounded by nature's art, Carolyn felt something she hadn't experienced in a very long time. Hope,
2: because I had no concept of nature creating something like this. I had no concept of the sea water, tricklings of sea water being able to carve such beautiful images into the sand. I did not know that could occur.
1: And so she thought to herself, if nature can create something so marvelous, so unexpected, so out of the realm of anything I could have imagined, maybe there are more surprises in store, too. Just maybe,
2: maybe though I can't see my life getting better, just maybe there's possibility for something amazing to occur that I couldn't conceive.
1: day at the beach brought back memories for Carolyn. Memories from her childhood. Memories of falling in love with photography. She remembers sneaking into her mother's bedroom as a little girl and borrowing the camera.
2: You know, she'd put it back on the on the dresser in the bedroom and I would sneak it, you know, I would like just take it off the dresser and I would go to the door and you know, take a picture real quick and then I'd go, you know, put it back and of course get busted when the film comes back, you know, like where'd this extra picture come from?
1: Eventually, she saved up enough money doing chores to buy her own camera. And she started photographing everything. Waterfalls, airplanes, her family, people at school. She loved every minute of it. It brought her so much joy. But then life got in the way.
2: Growing up in a, you know, like a lot of us, not all of us, but for me, growing up in a working class, lower socioeconomic um, household, you know, you're, you know, guided and groomed to get a job, you know, and not, you know, being not from a family or community that knew you could possibly have a job as a photographer, you know, and so when it came time to earn a living, I kind of just put it aside.
1: Over the years, she dabbled here and there, took a course in college, photographed things she saw around town. She even had a show or two, but it never turned into anything serious. Photography was always just a hobby for her, relegated to the sidelines. And as we all know, it's hard to keep a childhood passion alive when you're just trying to get through the difficult task of being an adult. But now, here at the beach, she felt that same giddy excitement she'd felt as a kid.
2: I was so aware of being back in that zone of joy, being aware that you love this,
1: Carolyn photographed every single sand pattern that day. She didn't want to miss a thing. These images were so special. When she was done, she raced home and uploaded the photos onto her computer. And when she looked at them, she was blown away. These photos were good, really good. She had never prided herself on her own work, but even she could see the artistry here.
2: I'm looking at this... That thing right there is dope. Don't that, that, that image right there, that frame now, that's amazing, okay? I created it, but even if I wasn't me and I would see that in a gallery, I would want to buy that.
1: And it was then, as she allowed herself to admire her own work for the first time, that Carolyn had a surprising thought. These photographs she'd created, these were art. And she was an artist. She had never thought of herself that way before, not in her wildest fantasies. Even though, as
2: I said, I had taken photos and had photography exhibits, it was something about these images specifically that gave me permission to say you're an
1: artist. The thought was a little scary. But it was also liberating. Over the next few weeks, Carolyn sifted through her photos. She edited them, sorted them, gave them names. And she started to think about what she could do with them. Perhaps they could become a series. Maybe they could even be the start of a new career for her, a career as a photographer she started making inquiries, reached out to galleries, brainstormed ideas for generating income. And then she took one final step, something she'd been kind of avoiding. It's
2: so funny, I was uh having a, a lunch with my daughter on Saturday and uh she hadn't seen the new stuff because I'd kind of hidden it in a way you know it's like everybody has that person that whether it be a parent a child or a maid or whatever that you hide stuff from you're like afraid what they're going to think of it and so I hadn't showed her anything and so I almost kind of mumble like I literally mumble like so now since I'm an artist you know, it was like it was like so. Oh, I'm an artist. It was like the only you know that there's only one other person or that person you feel like you need permission from. You know, I didn't care about anybody else. You know what I mean? There's a, but there's always one person you feel like you whether it's a parent. You know, it's like I needed her validation. She's like, "Oh, this is cool. This is really cool," and I'm like, "Okay."
1: One morning, several months after the fateful beach day. Carolyn woke up feeling different.
2: I believe it was a Saturday morning and I remember distinctly, wow, I'm not in pain today. And I felt lighter. And I was just like, oh my God,
1: I didn't wake up in pain today. She'd been distracted from her sadness before, but now it was just gone. It was like she had so much joy in her heart from her photography work that there wasn't space for depression, too. When we're at our lowest, it can be hard to see a way out. It can be hard to imagine that the pain will ever end or that there's a way forward. But it's also at low tide that some of the most beautiful things can happen. Things that spark wonder and rekindle optimism. Surprises in the sand that offer hope. The beach had taught her to have faith. It had taught her to trust that good things are out there, even if you can't quite conceive of them.
2: Just because you, I can't see it, or can't see the how, I've got to, be, this let me know that there is hope beyond my conception of things. You know what I mean? You know, there's, there's room for what you can't imagine. Make room for what you can't imagine.
1: patterns may not be solely responsible for Carolyn's emotional recovery. She still listened to motivational podcasts and sermons. She went to therapy. But that magical day at the ocean was the spark. It's what enabled her to see a future. A future in which her happy place, her art, could be front and center. And no, She hasn't discarded her old life. She didn't quit her day job, but she's intentionally working to create a career out of the thing that brings her joy. And she has the beach to thank for that.
0: This story was produced by Willow Belden, story editing by Corinne Ruff, and production feedback from Laurie Mortimer, another proud Hub and You can find Out There wherever you get your podcasts at outtherepodcast.com and at hubspokeaudio.org.
1: and spoke. Audio Collective.